Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's a story you may have already heard about. United Airlines employees who swear it was something otherworldly in the skies above Chicago's O'Hare Airport on November 7th. Several airport workers, some of whom have talked to the Chicago Tribune, who say they saw a saucer-shaped UFO. They saw one, a UFO. They say it hovered over a terminal without lights before shooting straight up right through the clouds last fall. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome, everyone, to Somewhere in the Skies. And today we have a return guest who is joining me to talk about a very exciting development that he has discovered, along with some other people, about a famous UFO event where we didn't think we were ever going to get any sort of evidence on this thing. It was so, the lid was so tight on it. But lo and behold, he did it. They did it. We're going to learn all about it. But before we do that, we're going to catch up on his other endeavor which is the basement office. So you know what that means. With me today is Stephen Greenstreet. Stephen, thanks for joining me again, brother. Awesome. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. I know times are weird. A lot's going on um, in the world right now. But hey, if we can sit and chat about UFOs for an hour and just distract us from everything going on in the world, I think uh, we're doing ourselves and a lot of people a service. So um, I got to thank you again, man, for coming on. Yeah, of course. Hell yeah. So let's um, let's catch up. I mean, a lot has happened since we last spoke. I think the last time we talked was right before season two dropped of The Basement Office. So let's start with that, my man. How did it go? What did you talk about? And uh, what was sort of your favorite thing that you covered in season two over at The New York Post? Yeah, so, you know, it was a given that we were going to do season two. Um, You know, season one, it just blew us all away at how much people loved it. (laughs) I mean, me particularly, I mean... The pitch for the show, honestly, was two dudes sitting at a desk talking about UFOs. So I was like, oh, maybe people are going to think this is boring. But uh, it was great. So, you know, we we shot season two in December of 2019 with Nick. And then we had a pickup shoot in, in March, literally a week and a half before the COVID shutdown. And so we were super stoked about season two. And then COVID hit and like basement just took like a backseat and so we didn't get season two out i think until i think it was june so you know it was it was a long time coming but you know we finally got it out and yeah like this season had some really awesome episodes i was able to get more kind of like into the weeds and my favorite episode i think just intellectually or the one that made me think most was our episode on USOs, unidentified submerged objects, water, and how it ties in with unidentified flying objects. And I, doing that episode, I was almost like learning uh, through the episode. Like I had no idea before that episode that water plays such a big role with UFOs. And so that was like a revelation to me uh, to do that episode. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the, the stuff we're hearing Currently, you know, whether it's from leaked reports from the UAP task force, which we will get to, uh, or or um, various rumors that have been going around is, uh, yeah, a lot of this has to do with water. And we can only venture a guess as to why. I mean, there have been books written in the past all about USOs, but they just never seem to hit the mainstream or even a lot of researchers 
Uh, and yeah, I think it's absolutely compelling. I think a lot of the evidence is leading that way. So I, I, I love that episode that you guys did. And I was with you, man. It was like blowing my mind. The more Nick talked about it, the more I started digging into it. And um, I can't wait to see where a lot of that goes next. Um, but I guess kind of catching up on other recent news before we get to our the meat of the conversation, the O'Hare incident of 2006. Uh, you just released an article over at the New York Post. Uh, we just released one over at the debrief, Tim McMillan and myself, uh, about the Authorization, Authorization Act, the Intelligence right, Authorization right. With the uh, you know the UAP task force finding request, long convoluted story. We won't go into it now, but yeah. <laughs> it happened. It's passed. Yeah. So, what do you think, man? Do you think anything's going to come of this? Um, they have 180 days to provide findings to the public if they so choose. What do you make of this entire thing? Well, first and foremost, I think about the genesis of it. Why this even exists to begin with. And, you know, Marco Rubio, you know, championed this, uh, you know, on the Senate Intelligence Committee. But what really happened? The public started demanding this. Uh, this wouldn't exist if, it, if, if, if UFOs weren't trending on Twitter, if people weren't calling congressional offices, if media and, and journalists weren't making phone calls. So, you know, pre-2000, December 2017, this doesn't exist. This exists because of pressure, uh, because on those um, leaders and and those people who you know represent others, and they want to say, "Don't worry, we're we're taking care of it. We're on top of it. We're going to do something." And so, on just on that like basic political level, how politics works. I mean, that's essentially why this exists, um, which is awesome that the public is you know demanding this. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, what do we get? out of it um i mean come on man we're not getting we're not going to get the cat's meow on this one we're not we're not going to get the whole shebang um but it's something it's a it's a it's a card that's been played and we're forcing a hand and that's like a good thing um the fact that they have to they have to release something it's a mandate from the people that's rad (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's awesome. You're so right, man. I think the the pressure that the public has put on the Pentagon, DOD, uh, even the UAP task force is amazing. I mean, a lot of us in the world right now feel kind of out of control. You know, we're not even in control of our own lives. There's restrictions in every country um, going on right now because of the pandemic and, and the government and this and that, blah, blah, blah. But this topic, UFOs, uh, is one thing that it feels like we're making headway and we're actually putting pressure on them to do this. So look, if the UAP task force thought that um, they were going to get away with not telling us anything, look, lo and behold, looks, look what happens. I mean, we get two leaked reports from what they're looking into uh, to the public. So I think that's a strong message, message that we're not going to just sit around and wait these 180 days. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep asking questions. And you're right, man. This is, this is awesome. Citizen journalism at its best. Let me, uh, let me just add that I, I honestly just don't think that um, there, we're, we're not going to get anything that is anything but we're in charge. We are making progress. We are looking into it. We are curious, just like you. You're not going to get we don't know and it's, t- we're, it's totally out of our control. I mean, the, the biggest military, the biggest, most powerful country – on planet Earth isn't going to admit that something is zipping over their military, you know, airspace, and they have no control over it. I mean, that's 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 a um, they're just not going to admit that there there's, there is going to be an air of like we got this, you know. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not going to they're not going to release a like run for the hills <laughs> investigation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah, I mean. I would be scared if our military or government said, uh, yeah, we have no control over this situation, even though they might not. Uh, and that's one of the things that's scarier to me is, is, is it scarier that the government knows 
everything but isn't telling us? Or is it scarier that the, our country knows about it but has no idea? Like, in my opinion, the people above us and who are supposed to protect us, if they have no idea, that's almost scarier. Yep. I'm going with the latter as being scarier. Absolutely, my man. Well, let's talk about the case that really drew our attention back in 2006, and that is the Chicago O'Hare 2006 airport incident. Uh, Now, you know, we we talked about this in the past. Um, Even a report was given to, uh, to the National UFO Reporting Center, to Peter Davenport, which I believe was uh, the first report to come out about this event. So we do have a lot of people in the past to thank for that. But there's new stuff coming out. And you were one of the people to bring that forward. So um, I got to ask you, how did this come to be? What did you find? Who did you work with to make this happen? And uh, yeah, give us the rundown about how you got what you got, man. Sure. So, you know, the the prologue to this story is when uh, they asked me to pitch and produce the basement office season one. The first thing I did was read Leslie King's book, UFOs from 2010. And in there is, you know, the Chicago case is featured and discussed in the details of the case. My jaw dropped because I'd I'd never heard of this case. It was fairly recently and it involved a saucer. I mean, when you think of a flying saucer, you usually think of the 40s or 50s, you know, like you, you don't really hear about big, you know, crazy flying saucer cases nowadays. And, I, and so that was the prologue. Now, I did an episode on saucers and featured the Chicago case. And in producing that episode, I w- went crazy looking for the audio because we know the audio had been released via FOIA. We know there was a transcript of, of the audio in the NARCAP report. And I was like, well, surely this, uh, and I, I think the History Channel had played a, a snippet of uh, of the audio. And I was like, well, surely this is everywhere by this point. It's on YouTube. It's somewhere. And we searched, me and my um, uh, production assistant, we searched forever for this audio and just like couldn't find it. And we're like, are we going to have to FOIA this ourselves? So anyway, we made the episode in season one without the audio. We referenced, you know, the NARCAP report, but no audio. But it was like my white whale. I was like, there's no way this doesn't exist because it was released. So anyway, flash forward to just, you know, a few months ago, I was talking with uh, Jake at It's Redacted, the, the UFO channel, uh, It's Redacted, which I love. I like love their stuff, their videos. And we were like, yo, let's, you know, our my resources are limited. You know, everyone's resources are limited because of the pandemic. But maybe if we team up, we can like make something. We decided to do Chicago and it, we, we made it our goal and life mission to like find this audio. And so we called everyone like we went through the NARCAP report and we were like contacting everyone within that NARCAP report. Ted Rowe at at NARCAP, um, you know, who is, uh, I think, in Hawaii now, uh, you know, had multiple phone calls with him. And the problem was, is uh, NARCAP's original archives or older archives have, have been kind of like moved and spread out to different locations throughout the country. And so people were like, oh, right, we had that, but I don't know where that ended up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, um, we ended up finding it on, on William Puckett's uh, website, like totally uh, almost unlisted. Like it doesn't show up in, in search results. It was just like hosted on his website. I think it's ufosnw.com and then backslash whatever, like you have to dig into it and it's there. Like in William Puckett, I don't know if you know, but he was part of the original NARCAP report. His name is on the FOIA documents who FOIA the FAA for the audio um, and luckily he had digital copies of it. And we were like, yeah, we got to like take this and we got to release it raw, like just release everything we got so that in the future, people looking for this stuff can Google and boom, there it is. And so that's how we got it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know how many views it's up to now over at the New York Post, YouTube and everything, but whew, it was awesome, man, to hear it. In its entirety, you know, like you mentioned, I think certain UFO researchers had heard 
certain bites every now and again. Uh, you mentioned UFO hunters on History Channel had some of it. But um, when you hear all of the people talking about this, and we'll get to the dispute between apparently there wasn't any of this in Lo and behold, here we go. Um, yeah, it was awesome. So I think what I'm going to do right now is I'm actually going to play a little bit of the audio so it'll give the the audience some context of what we're going to discuss after that about what's in the audio tape. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play that now if you don't mind. Cool. As you can hear, there were definitely some gems in there that we did not know about and that was were said by certain people. So um, I got to ask you, after putting this out there, man, um, after digging and finding it, what do you make of it? What do you glean most from these audio tapes in terms of uh, what we've been told in the public about this event and what we're hearing in the audio tapes? Anything really stick out to you? Sure. Yeah. Two things. One, it's, it's extremely interesting to hear this occur in real time or what was then real time. How do government and airline workers react to something in real time? How is that reported? You know, this was five years after nine 11, this was five years. And so, and here you've got, you know, pilot supervisors, airline mechanics reporting, something unknown over a United Airlines gate, like in the airspace, like how would the government react to that, you know, just a few years after 9-11. So it's, it's interesting to hear that play out and, and to hear um, everyone jokes about it. I mean, Sue from United, God bless her. You know, she's trying her best to like tell the FAA, no, seriously, like this is happening and everyone is essentially saying, you must be drunk, you must be high. And she's like, no, 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 like pilots are, no, like this person, no, actually, this actually happened. Someone has a picture of it. She mentions twice someone has a picture of it. Um, and then later, towards the end of the audio, where you hear, um, you know, the supervisors talking, and they're just kind of like, blah, 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 like, okay, whatever, ha, ha, ha. And then you hear a mechanic go like, no, I, I saw it. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I saw it. I'm a United taxi mechanic. It, it was, it was there. And so it's interesting to hear it play out. Now you're, you're asking about the discrepancy about what the audio says versus what the official story was, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Th this is, this is where it gets crazy to me because uh, the FAA originally back in 2006 before all the press and everything said, oh, we didn't even investigate that. That was nothing. 
And then when John Hilkovich at the Tribune, Chicago Tribune, and 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 and, and NARCAP, they started firing filing FOIA requests. They were like, oh, um, no, actually, uh, we're backtracking that. And like we did investigate it, but it was just probably a weather phenomenon, some weird cloud or something. And 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 that's it. So that's that's probably all it was. The end. And in the in the audio, I mean, you've got trained people, people who work at airport at the airport, fly airplanes for a living, interact with clouds day in and day out. These people, that's what they're paid to do, saying a disc, a metallic disc is hovering over our airport. And okay, that you these people are not seeing a cloud. At least they're not According to these trained individuals, they're not looking at at a cloud, and so that conflicts. And then to say that there is a um, a photo, a lot of people are latching onto that. I mean, Sue at United says they have a photo twice, and you know, I asked the FAA. I said, "Hey, like in this audio, talking to you in the FAA tower." It, it's reported to you that a, fo- a photographic evidence of this exists. Did you look at the photo? Did you request the photo? Did you analyze the photo? Did you do anything about the photo? They wouldn't answer the question. Yep. Yep. It, it was stonewalled. And I mean, every employee at, uh, at United Airlines in the entire airport, I should say, uh, were told not to talk about this. So, you know, we got a lot of anonymous sources and this and that, and everyone at the airport was staying quiet for so long. Uh, but, you know, lo and behold, uh, UFO researcher Sam Maranto uh, was able to get in touch with a witness outside of the airport that was not employed there who saw this thing. And I actually have audio right now of this witness uh, and how their story compares to those that saw it at the airport. So I'm going to play that right now for the audience. I have seen anomalous things in the sky, and I don't say anomalous lightly. I can identify so many different phenomena. You know, it's interesting. I even have experience with lenticular clouds. I used to do high mountain climbing, and I have seen a zillion of them. can't tell you how many lenticular clouds I've seen hovering over O'Hare and punching a hole in the cloud cover. Uh, you know, it, it just was like weather phenomenon. I think not. It was very obvious. I mean, it was very obviously not cloud. It was very obviously a solid object. Uh, it didn't change shape in any way. Uh, it obviously wasn't uh, a balloon that was subject to the wind. It didn't move with the wind. Very obviously, I mean, this was a daytime thing. This wasn't some, you know, case of lights that look a little unusual at night or anything like that. This was just a very blatant daytime sighting. And no, it wasn't so dark that we couldn't tell what we were seeing. Not, not at all, not by any stretch. So, yeah, man, I mean, even uh, people outside of the airport were seeing this thing and that were willing to talk about it, which is really interesting as well. Uh, you did mention the weather phenomenon. Now, this was kind of the official statement by the FAA. I mean, they even got in touch with an astronomer, uh, Dr. Hammingren, I have here from um, the Adler Planetarium. And I'm just going to read here for a second what they said this was. Weather conditions at O'Hare that day were right for a hole punch cloud, like you mentioned, something that occurs when a propeller or jet airplane passes through. When you have uniform cloud cover and the temperature is right near the freezing point, they make liquid water droplets freeze and a hazy disk of ice crystals descends from a hole and it looks like a perfect hole punched in the cloud. That's all fine and great, but like you mentioned, uh, one of the United Taxi maintenance crew members actually saw a structure craft and boom, that puts that to rest right there. I mean, again, yeah, it's just a testimony, but so many other people said they saw the structured craft. So, I mean, we were being lied to from the very start with this thing. Well, you know, I will, uh, let me say this, like, first off, okay, a hole punch cloud. Okay. That's, that's, that's an explanation. That is an explanation. Now, is it what they saw at Chicago? You know, it, it it could be, but first and foremost, 
um, you know, the quote you just read, you know, a whole bunch of cloud is about, you know, when ice, you know, water molecules freeze uh, suddenly. And, you know, the temperature that day at the airport was in the 50s. Uh, the freezing level, uh, the freezing ceiling was around 10,000 feet, 9,000 feet, 10,000 feet, which where the freezing temperatures were. Um, and the cloud coverage that day was one to 2,000 feet. Um, now, beyond that, the fact that it was at that level, nowhere near freezing temperatures, um, you've got multiple witnesses. And I mean, at least a dozen witnesses that say they saw Step one, a craft below the clouds. So they saw a craft below the clouds. And then some of those witnesses, step two, saw the craft punch through the the clouds, creating a hole. Now, so you've got, it's not just a hole that everyone's looking at. People actually, not just one or two or three, but multiple people saw the thing go up through the clouds, punching a hole. Now, how the FAA handled the their statement about it being weather is just so weird. Like, just lead with that. <laughs> you know? right. don't, you don't say, don't initially say, oh, nothing happened here. And then when your press and FOIA requests are coming in are going like, oh, oh, uh, it's, uh, it's weather. It's probably just lights or a whole punch cloud or something like that. And then when people like myself and others bring up the audio and the fact that a photo was taken, just don't respond at all. Like the way it was handled is just really weird. Can I just add that we are all you, I we're all U S citizens, you know, not right now, obviously, but we we fly planes. We go to airports, we get on planes and we want to feel safe. We want to feel like if there's something unidentified, and unauthorized above my plane that people like the FAA are going to take care of it and take it seriously. You know, we're not talking, I'm not saying alien, you know, I'm not saying X, Y, interdimensional. I'm saying something was there. I want them to take it seriously. (laughs) Absolutely, man. I mean, the stigma and ridicule of reporting these things, uh, I think is more dangerous than the, you know, the, the craft or whatever it is, could be itself. I mean, if they don't report it because they're afraid of what's going to be said, they're going to uh, lose their job or this or that, uh, then it doesn't get reported and something could seriously go wrong. I mean, even in the original report I saw with Peter Davenport, uh, he he adds this little thing here. And, you know, it could be connected or not, but he said um, the plane that was taxied in to gate C-17 where this happened, the next plane after the whole incident occurred and they kind of said, yep, no, we're fine. No issues. Um, The plane that came in had severe electrical failures when it parked into the gate C-17 where supposedly this craft had been seen. So again, that could have been for any reason. Um, I find it an interesting coincidence. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? I thought that was a cool little addendum. Is it okay if I read uh, some quotes from some witnesses? Just quick quotes Absolutely. regarding. Please do. Okay. So, what's great about the NARCAP report, which, you know, you should send a link to, it's 152 pages. And I mean, it's in depth. They've got radar data. They've got like eight pages on just the weather that day. They've got everything. But they were able to interview some of the witnesses before all the press and before the FAA and they were able to interview people in this kind of like virgin pure moment in time uh, before the, you know, the, everything clamped down. Now there are, you know, do, like I said, at least a dozen solid witnesses, but let's talk about a hole punch cloud, for example, and versus what pilots and supervisors on the ground there were talking about right here. Uh, Witness B and C, who were mechanics seated in a cockpit, heard on the radio about a circle or disc-shaped object hovering over the gate. Uh, It was described as elliptical sphere-like dark metal object, very specific, dark metal object. Now, bring up a hole punch cloud picture and tell me if you would look at that and describe it as dark metal. (laughs) 
another witness here describes it as aluminum, a dirty aluminum color. Again, a hole punch clown does not look like dirty aluminum. Uh, there is laughter uh, as they're they're calling on the radio, talking to people all over, looking up and, and describing this. Again, here we go. Elliptical metal. I, I just you've got people on the ground, people who are trained, people who are professionals, going on the record and saying what they were looking at looked like a round piece of smooth hovering metal and so you you can't just dismiss that you can't just you can't dismiss that at all and it just makes you wonder like what 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 were they looking at man (laughs) one guy said it was uh spinning it was like um rotating yeah yeah i remember reading that it's crazy so i mean we're not dealing with a whole punch cloud um that's just not the case um i mighty crow if that were were what we come to find out it was but uh who knows if we're ever going to know the truth um you did mention john hilkovich and we do have to give this guy credit he was the first kind of on the ground to um to write about this in the chicago tribune and uh And that now not famous, but um, well-known broadcast interview he did with uh, CLTV with Jim Wagner, a a news reporter. Um, It was leaked about their conversation that happened prior to the official interview they did. And there were some telling stuff kind of in that of, you know, how he was being stonewalled from the very start with this thing. Um, And I actually want to play a little bit of that now to give the audience a taste of that. So here's a little bit of that interview that John Hilkovich gave uh, and the conversation that happened prior to the interview. Right. Oh, hey, here's John. Hey, John. Hey, Jim. How are you? Well, fine, thanks. How are you? (laughs) Busy with this UFO stuff. Oh, my God. Did you see it hit the Fox crawl uh, Monday night? Did it? It's just been everywhere. I mean, I've been on CNN, uh, my fourth appearance today. Really? Uh, Every MSNBC, every network. Oh, my goodness. And just worldwide. I mean, Australia, everywhere. (laughs) That's what we're going to start off, I'm going to (laughs) say. And, John, the response has been, well, out of this world, hasn't it? (laughs) Congratulations. So where is the latest on the investigation of the FAA, then? Well, uh, is by this time tomorrow, going to prove it. Yeah, a lot. United, United is now acknowledging that they were approached by employees, mm-hmm. so they've done that okay. flip flop. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to locate photos of this. I'm told there may be oh, photos. Really? Wow, that would be cool. Um, I'm told that the uh, the story on on CT right has almost a million hits. Yeah, it's, it's the most read story in the history of CT.com. You're kidding me. No, I got an email yesterday from uh, Bill Adi. Wow. I mean, it's like, yeah, and the entire history of the website. Oh, incredible. So, incredible. So is the possib- does it possibly exist? You might get the pictures and get them in for tomorrow? Or oh, no, I, I don't think, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I'm told the pilots on that plane that was being pushed back, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I said in the story that they opened the windscreen and stuck their head out. Now I'm being told that one of them had a digital camera and snapped some pictures. Wow. So United is not playing ball with me. And uh, FAA, I've expanded my FOIA to include the flight plan, which might include the pilot's names. And I'm trying to work with the union as well. Are they still going by weather phenomenon? Uh, FAA, you know, pretty much because of the federal holiday, I, mm-hmm. uh, I haven't talked to them that much. But, yeah, they're, they're, they haven't changed their story. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm just... Yeah. Heard, heard yeah. from other people, you know, since then that you know that that's that explanation just doesn't wash. And they haven't gone out of their way to to say anything otherwise so far. No, I mean they say you know it was it was November seventh. They're they're moving on. They're just hmm. doing their daily thing. Well, I tell you what, the uh, all the people who saw it must be feeling a little validated right about now, huh? Oh yeah, and I'm getting tons of emails from other people who outside the airport as well as at O'Hare really? who also either cited that same object or saw the hole in the sky and said what is that wow okay so what did it look like again to the folks who saw it it was a saucer like yeah it was hovering di- di- over, over the united terminal right yeah right over directly over gate c17 mm-hmm. and it was stationary in the sky uh dark gray metallic uh you know like i say saucer shaped mm-hmm. no lights 
and it was there for some minutes. And then when it uh, disappeared, it just streaked through the clouds with such energy that it broke a, a big a blue hole in the overcast, and the hole remained there for several minutes until the wind uh, drifted and pushed the clouds back together. So the blue was the sky. Yeah, the blue was wow. the sky, but but otherwise the the entire skyline was uh, was cloudy. Totally overcast, huh? Man, so totally you know, it's nothing. An airplane just doesn't react like that. It does, mm. it slices mm. through, and it doesn't disturb the atmosphere. Hmm. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, we get kind of the raw conversation about this and, you know, talking about how it crashed the Chicago Tribune website when the story first came out. Right. And um, and they said as well, like you mentioned, there were photographs taken. There might have been video. So, uh, man, if we could just get our hands on that stuff. Um, and I guess I kind of want to wrap up the O'Hare thing with that. Stephen, do you think? It's out there. Do you think we'll ever see a photo? We'll ever see video? Um, where do you stand on that part of all this? What's up, guys? Ryan Sprague here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I well, I believe it exists, or at least existed. I mean, you've got in written with witness testimony, you've got the audio of radio communications from that day of folks acknowledging more than once that at least one photo was taken that day. Now you have to understand this is 2006, and if you take this is pre-iPhone, this is pre-smartphone yeah. days, and those those little flip phones didn't take the greatest pictures, um, and at you know, unless someone had like a digital camera, like hanging around their, their neck, it's probably not the greatest photo, uh, especially if, you know, the craft was estimated to be, um, 1900, 2000 feet up. It's probably not the greatest photo, uh, especially if, you know, the craft was estimated to be, um, 1900, 2000 feet up. Uh, about the size of a quarter held at arm's length. And so, you know, taking a cell phone photo, who knows how, how clear that's going to be or how, you know, I, I think uh, this case and how infamous it is, it's led to some fakes, um, people creating fake photos of this. I think if, and when the final photo actually comes out, it's not going to be this like, like amazing photo. I think it's got to be like, you know, crappy 2006 cell phone, uh, photo or e even a video um i'd be amazed 
Like, honestly, that would be like the coolest thing if like that photo ever came to be, even if it is blurry and, and, and crazy, if it was like legit, like it was legitimized as a real photo from O'Hare. Wow. And it's not a whole punch cloud. Wow. That would be awesome. Wow. I'm with you, man. I mean, again, we deal with blurry photos in this field on a daily basis. So what's one more to add on to the pile? But hey, right. I think this case uh, is so underrated. Um, it, it's It was so well investigated from very tenacious researchers from the very start. And I mean, what you guys did um, over at It's Redacted and uh, Basement Office, New York Post, uh, it's adding to the tapestry of this case that hopefully... We will find out someday what actually occurred. But um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add in terms of the uh, the O'Hare incident before we move on to some closing questions here? Yeah, just one quick anecdote, um, a personal anecdote that ties into Chicago, which is um, the way every when you listen to the audio, the way everyone reacts to the UFO is either dismissive, joking, um, confusing confusion and then joking um and almost like uh come on i don't want to deal with this and i have a relative who's in the military and who was flying near the east coast down um in the navy uh flying near the east coast this is a while ago and they he and his crew saw a uap at night and um uh, my relative who's the pilot pointed it out to the crew and they saw this um thing moving around erratically um you know off in the distance and the first thing that was spoken in that helicopter the first thing that was spoken was i really wish i hadn't seen that and they were serious because of the stigma the ridicule the embarrassment it wasn't, oh my God, let's, what is this? Let's find out. It was, I really wish I hadn't seen that. It was just this, like, it's this weird stigma. And so it reminded me of Chicago O'Hare, of everyone reacting the exact same way. And, yeah. you know, I'm hoping with all of the the recent news, I mean, it's, it's trending on Twitter, you know, at least once or twice a month now. I'm hoping yeah. that kind of like, it breaks that wall down a little bit. I, I hope you're right, man, because, I mean, that that even traces back to, I remember recently Jacques Vallée commented he went to NORAD to discuss, you know, all the work that they do. And he asked them, you know, okay, so you're tracking things here that could be a potential threat, things in our skies and everything. Uh, do you ever come across unknowns, things that you can't explain? And they're like, of course we do, thousands and thousands of them. And Vallée is just like, Oh my God. So do you have reports on these? Like what, what do you do in that case? And they're like, if we can't identify it or it's not a threat uh, immediately, uh, we don't do anything. We don't report it. We, we do nothing with it. And oh, my heart just dropped when he, when he recalled that. Cause I'm like, are you kidding me? Thousands and thousands of things you can't explain are just thrown out. And we've heard this time and time again. So can you imagine if every, uh, pilot, every military uh, branch, every uh, stewardess or, or, or cabin worker in a plane reported what they saw, it would be amazing. I, I just, it astounds yeah. me. It really does. It, is, it astounds me too. And I think it just goes back to the ignore what you can't control. You know, yeah. if you, if, if you can't control it and you, you don't want to admit that you can't control it, then ignore it. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, well, ignore is a good way to transition here, man. I got to get your opinion on this. Um, the leaked UAP reports from the supposed U UAP task force uh, that came forward in the debrief and several other uh, companies lately. What do you make of all this, man? I mean, we heard some dramatic stuff, triangles emerging from water and photos, uh, what do, you, what do you make of this entire ordeal going on with these reports that we saw? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously that was like the main thing that jumped out to me was um, the, the, the fact that it literally says, you know, UAP might be coming from the world's oceans. 
and it, it, I don't even think it said some. I think the exact quote was UAP might be coming or, or originating from the world's oceans. <laughs> and like, because of, you know, I'd done the episode on, on USOs. Like that was the thing that stuck out most to me. Now, you know, when I, when I researched my USO episode, you know, you, you can find, um, you know, plans that the Navy had for a transmedium uh, craft back in like the forties. And you see these drawings of this plane that's half plane, half submarine. And, you know, in the drawing, it's, it's coming out of the ocean, going back in. Uh, so like, you know, we know the military has wanted this, looked into it, has been pursuing this in, in a way um, already has probably has it. And so you've got to like enter that into the equation that, you know, is this uh, some kind of, of black project that hasn't been revealed yet? Um, but I don't know. Like, when it comes to the UAPTF, uh, I don't I don't see it being any different than the frustrations that Lou Elizondo ran into with ATIP, for example. You know, like, I don't see... I I just don't see the DOD going like, ah, Lou was right. Oh man, all this time Lou was right. Guess we better double down on this. It's like, I don't think so. I think, you know, similar to ATIP, they got handed a mandate and said, do this. And they're probably like, oh God, okay, fine. We'll, you know, we'll do this. And so, um, I don't know. I, again, I've said it before. I, Every company, brand, corporation needs a public facing side, the side that interacts one on one with the public, you know, different from the business side, the public facing side. And it's all about, you know, interacting with the public and making them feel like they're part of the conversation. And I almost feel like UAPTF is is like the public facing side of like the real UFO program. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like we interact with you and we give you little nit, you know, tidbits and we keep you happy and, 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 and complacent and stuff. You know, there's no way the UAPTF is the one and only UFO program. It's definitely right. a, a program or maybe part of the program or the PR side of the program. But I don't, I just don't think, I don't think it goes that deep UAPTF. Yep. Yep. I, I, again, I think you're right. I think it's just another concerted effort to control the information that does get out. But like you said, you know, there are people fighting that fight. Elizondo included saying Pentagon, we're watching you guys like, don't let us down or else we're going to knock down walls and, find this stuff out for ourselves. So, yeah. Yeah. There are those, I mean, it's crazy. Like there are those, like, like you said, you know, like Lou, whether they're buried on the inside who are frustrated, like Lou was in his re- resignation letter of like, why is no one paying more attention to this? It's right there. <laughs> it's right here. Yeah. Please let's study this, you know? And, uh, but we're getting quotes. We're getting actual quotes like might quote might not be human uh, in the New York Times article that dropped this year. You know, you've got quote off world vehicles, not of this earth. These quotes aren't originating from like a Dungeons and Dragons role playing game in some basement. It's coming from like the Pentagon and it's coming from Pentagon contractors and it's coming from briefings with classified briefings with congressmen i mean come yeah. on this is that's yeah. some of the craziest stuff ever what does that mean <laughs> what does that mean and it is progress you know there's a lot of people out, out there that argue what have we learned what have we learned from to the stars academy or um you know these articles that have come out have we truly learned anything and i think we've learned that the government and military are willing to now say it's unidentified it might not be from here. It's not Russia. It's not China. And that's more than we've gotten in the past 70 plus years of a supposed cover up. So I think that's progress in my personal opinion. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, the way the X-Files, if you look at the TV show, the X-Files of like cigarette smoking man who knows everything. And he's like in the basement and like hoarding his alien fetuses, you know, and it's like, <laughs> And it's like, uh, um, 
nowadays it's like CSM, like cigarette smoking man's like releasing press releases. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, know? man. That is such a good point. Absolutely. <laughs> Under his pen name, nonetheless. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, all right, my man. So I have to ask you this because a lot of my listeners and viewers wanted to get your opinion on this. It's something very controversial in the UFO community. Um, say what you will about that. Uh, but they want to know your thoughts. Admiral Wilson documents. I'm not going to go into it here, what they are. Just Google it, everyone. Go check it out. But um, I know you did cover this on the basement office at one point and teased it a little bit. So what do you make of this, the Admiral Wilson documents? And do you think that this thing is real? Is it genuine? And uh, are we going to hear any more about it with the work that you're doing personally? Yeah. So, you know, the Wilson documents, that was December or April. Anyway, it was in 2019 that the leak, supposed leak happened. And yeah, like it printed them out. Nick and I talked about it, you know, in, in more general terms, talking about what a USAP is, what a SAP is, what's the difference. Um, but journal, let me just start before I get into like my personal feelings about it, like journalistically, the story isn't there yet. It's just, it's missing like something. It's missing something. I, it's not ready to be, you know, I can discuss it. I can give my opinion on it, but as in like journalistically releasing something, it needs something. I mean, beyond just the story, he said, he said, she said story beyond just that kind of surface story. It's, it's, it's missing something credible. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, when I did my uh, UAP Pentagon back in May, 2019, when the Pentagon released a statement to me that yes, a tip research investigated uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, we spent, I spent days making sure that that was I said in my story, this is the first time the Pentagon has ever said, spoken these words, UFO, UAP. They've officially never spoken these words. I ha- I went back and I dug, dug through everything, Pentagon statements, previous spokes, everything, going back forever to make sure that that was actually accurate, that I could say that. That's how much work, I mean, you do that as a journalist. You want to make sure that everything you're saying fits and it's accurate and so with the wilson story oh my god dude what a nightmare (laughs) journalistically (laughs) i mean what a nightmare that would that is i mean it's just like come on um you know and so you stop at well i can release a story that says eric davis says this admiral wilson says this you know grant cameron says this the end you know i but that's not me reporting that's not me telling the audience, being able to provide the audience, here's why this is true, or here's why this probably isn't true. Um, I can't fully get my arms around the whole story uh, yeah. as it as it exists now. And I, I mean, look, look at the story and how it spreads on Twitter and online. It's um, it's a fascinating story and it's fun. I mean, let's admit yeah. it uh, to 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 go there with your mind. And to picture that car, you know, and them sitting in the car and, 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 and like the, the incognito aspect of it and what was discussed, alien bodies and, and, you know, uh, X, Y, and Z, like that's fun, but you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not run with that. Let's not get it, you know, get out of control personally, personally. And I said this, you know, to Nick, here's how I personally feel is if it was true that the government is in possession, has been in possession of extraterrestrial or not of this earth craft, um, what is outlined in the Wilson docs is how I personally feel how it would be done. That's how it would be done. Remove it from Congress, remove it from, you know, the people who are elected and, and, and the, every two, four years, get it out of there, put it somewhere else permanent um, where it can be studied properly, you know, unacknowledged. And and those things rang true to me personally. Like in my head, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. If this was actually true, then maybe this is probably how you would, you would do it. 
Um, so that's like, that's per- how I feel about it personally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm on board with you on that. The, uh, the more I know about it, the less I know about it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. We'll see where it leads. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there who are very adamant that this is real. This happened and Hey, the meeting probably happened. I can admit that it probably things were said. Now, what was said and if that is true is a whole whole other story yeah the only the only thing that can be confirmed meaning that i'm comfortable about is the meeting with you know edgar mitchell um the the meeting wilson uh and davis and edgar mitchell the former you know astronaut like all parties agree that that meeting occurred like everyone mm-hmm. is on board wilson himself so you know he acknowledges that that meeting happened. Now the scope of that meeting, you know, maybe has been embellished a bit, you know, and I also got to say, we have to be careful, man. Like there, there's a lot of embellishment and in just in UFO reporting in general. And like, hell I'm guilty of it. Sometimes we all, you know, are. just, just be just um, the way we talk about it or the way we present a story, not that mm-hmm. the story is embellished, but the way the excitement, you know, sometimes it's like I said previously, it's fun. And what the Wilson thing is, I, I think there's some em- embellishment going on um, yeah. with it. There's just, I just, and the thing that bugs me is if it's true, man, like what is that information doing? Like floating around like some dude's, some dude's computer, like in Canada, like, and what's it doing? Like, what's it doing on Imgur? You know, mm-hmm. dot com, chilling. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like uh, if it if that's like the biggest ultimate secret on planet Earth, it's just like, um, it doesn't smell like a Snowden reveal or a a, a Julian Assange reveal. You know, yeah. the fl- the flip to that is, you know, they went after Snowden, they went after Assange, and it validated what they released. And so, you know, right. maybe. Maybe if you go after the folks who leaked these documents, people go, wait, what? That's real? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good point. You know, I've been looking a lot and I've looked in the past at these uh, UFO hacker whistleblowers, whether it's Gary McKinnon, uh, this other dude, Matthew Bevan, who did it like, I think, 10 years prior, 15 years prior to McKinnon hacked into like NASA and NSA and all this stuff to find UFO information. And lo and behold, both of them found stuff, but when they were caught, arrested, and uh, McKinnon, at least, was going to be extradited to the United States to face prison time on these things, uh, Bevan was going to have to pay a ridiculous amount of money for the damage he caused in security. Uh, the courts couldn't do anything because the government wasn't willing to share anything that they found, like nothing. And that's understandable. It could be national security purposes. But then what do you do? You can't charge them with anything if uh, they're saying no comment. Well, what did he find? No comment. Then what did he do wrong? No comment. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's tough. It's tough. So, yeah. yeah, it's always a catch-22. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, all right, my man. Well, looking backward and looking forward, 2020 was a hell of a year for all of humanity but here in the ufo world a lot happened so i gotta ask you what is your favorite thing in 2020 that happened with this topic anything really stick out to you um let's see i mean at the beginning of 2020 there were two things that i i'm rather new to this you know when I say that UFOs, uh, you know, I've had a, I've had a long career where UFOs were not part of my daily life. Right. And as someone relatively new to this, uh, the I believe it was February, uh, Tim McMillan's Lou Elizondo Popular Mechanics article. That. Oh, wow. That was like awesome. That really that hit me really deeply because Lou was a. um confusing character to me. And I was not a hundred percent sure about Lou myself personally. And, um, you know, I was leaning towards he's legit because, uh, but 
yeah. So Tim's popular mechanics article in February, 2020, that was when things started really getting real for me um, as regards to a tip all and, and everything going on behind the scenes there. So I think that was a really big, awesome article. And then soon after that, when the, the Pentagon released officially released the three videos Everybody and their brother and sister had already seen since 2017 the fact that the government is coming out and going, all right, you caught, you got us. Like, yeah, these are ours, and yeah, they're official. And in that release, these are still unidentified. Like, the fact that the Pentagon is releasing this stuff and saying that is, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, give me chills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we've come a long way, man. You know, I mean, there's cynical UFO researchers out there who've been doing this for 50 plus years, and I don't blame them. We're let down constantly in this field and with this topic. But um, I think we're living in exciting times. I really do think we're on the precipice of something big, and it's taking citizen journalists, it's taking independent UFO researchers, it's taking even the mainstream media uh, to put the pressure on the government to tell us. And it's not something I ever thought I would see in my lifetime. And I'm not talking a grand disclosure. We're going to get all the answers. I don't believe in that whatsoever. But it's a process. It really is. And Elizondo, Chris Mellon, um, all these people, uh, John Greenwald, uh, who have been putting pressure on the government for so long to get information, understand it's a process and that they do have to apply pressure. So I'm very thankful for everyone in the UFO field out there doing it. Um, everything from UFO Twitter, the activism you've seen on there from a lot of people, they are a hungry, hungry, passionate group. No matter what you believe or if you agree or disagree with the way certain people do things, hey, man, we're all in this together trying to find answers. So I think it's awesome. I, I think it's a cohesion that we have not seen in a while. And it's a transparency yeah. by the government to the public that we haven't seen ever. So I'm yeah. looking forward to whatever's to come in 2021. So what do you think? What are your hopes for 2021? What do you want Stephen Great Street in the UFO field in the uh the coming new year well i think it's it's time for some real talk you know you can only get away the pentagon can only get away with this is unidentified we don't know for so long yeah <laughs> you know there exists you know as nick pope says there exists a best current assessment it, it exists a best current assessment a guesstimate, whatever, educated guess as to what it is. That exists. So we got to, uh, what I'm looking for in 2021 are more specifics beyond unidentified. I'd like to uh, begin getting into officially on the record from the government, a best current assessment. And, you know, I don't want generalizations. Like we need to start getting into the, the, the observables, the science, you know, things like that. And and more people than just like Eric Davis, for example, need to be out there in New York Times articles. So I'm looking forward to the like the new voices, people we've never heard of yet. Those people like coming out and going on the record. Absolutely. And dude, I mean, I was considered uh, one of the young guns or whatever of ufology for a really long time. And now I'm not one of them. And that actually really excites me. I'm not looking forward to losing my hair and, you know, getting the dad bod and everything. But yeah. um, I think it's incredible that I can now talk to people on Twitter and Facebook, whatever, um, about this topic and they're researching it and they're 10 years younger than me. That's yeah. awesome. And you, like you said, new people. I mean, let's look at the scientific groups out there, organizations that are around. The Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies, uh, UFO Data, UFO DAP, uh, Skyhub. These incredible yeah, scientists and engineers are creating things to monitor UFO activity like never before. So there you go, man. That's showing the government or or NASA even like, fine, if you're not going to do the work, we're going to do it for you. So I think that's yeah. exciting. And I look forward to what all those groups are doing in the next totally. year or so. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. Well, that's all I got for you, brother. I'm so happy we got to cover this event. I've never covered Chicago O'Hare on the show before. So we kind of only scratched the surface. But um, like I said, thank you for the work that you did. And um, it's redacted on this. It's it's awesome. Um, Again, any evidence and testimony and context we can have for these events only adds to uh, this process of disclosure that hopefully we're living in. Um, so last question for you, what comes yeah. next? The ball is in the air. What comes next for you in your work in this field, my man? Ah, not too sure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect answer. Uh, there's some things, there's some things there on, you know, being worked on. Uh, there's nothing serious. I'm always kind of like looking uh, for the next thing. I mean, basement is always there and I'm hoping, you know, in 2021 with like the vaccine and like, you know, you know, hopefully we can get out of the weeds soon. Cause I'd really like to do that show. Right. You know, again, uh, but yeah, I got a couple things, but nothing I'm, I'm ready to announce yet. That's totally fair, brother. Well, in the meantime, uh, I know that uh, we have not heard or seen the last of what's to come with the Chicago O'Hare incident. Uh, you and I are going to be digging a little deeper into some leads that we've come across. So I look forward to what comes with that. So you and I have to get to work. So I'm going to cut it here. Let's go <laughs> do right. our thing. And I will see you in the new year, brother. Thank you. All right, man. Later. Association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.